Welcome to the teachings of Pastor Mike Yost of the Springs Calvary Chapel in Habern, Idaho. Please join us as we study the Word of God. Everyone there? Philippians chapter 2. I'd like to pray one more time as usual. Thank you, Father, for your grace that's abundant. We, we just thank you for that reminder of grace on top of grace. You came in grace and truth, and you came to save us, not to judge us. Lord, would our hearts be open to receive? Would we hear from you what you want to speak to us? And we thank you, Lord, that uh, you're more than able, Lord, to, to whatever our situations are, you're more than able. If we're stuck, you can pull us out, Lord. We're hurting, you can encourage us, Lord. Whatever, whatever we need, Lord, you're all that we need. And so <laughs> bless our time this morning. Let me pray, amen. I remember when I was in high school in PE class, Mrs. Buenuelo, Mrs. B, we would call her, would sing this jingle to me. And there was a reason why. She would say, and it's, it's a song, but she sang it in the form of a jingle. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord, she would always tell me. Because in PE class, I would get like really pumped up. Like we were just like playing ping pong or something. I'd be like, oh yeah, take that. And I would get all excited and like, yeah, Trent, I beat you. And I'd, I'd, I'd get all worked up. And then sometimes I'd, we, you know, there's only like 16 of us in the class and I'd play against girls and I would just, it would be too easy. But she'd always tell me, humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. And, uh, I never have forgotten that, humble thyself in the sight, Lord, and I've been learning that. Um, but that's what we're going to talk about today is humility, and we, we probably have a whole bunch of things that come to our mind when we hear the word humility. Maybe you think of a poor person, or, you know, you've heard that, that saying before, oh, they have humble beginnings or something like that, or someone who's sick or feeble, right, you think of, that's, that's what comes to my mind. Um, so today we're going to look at the biblical definition of humility and the, and the great example of humility. So maybe today the Lord is saying to you, humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. Why? Because he will lift you up. Why? Because we are nothing and he's everything. Pride brings destruction, but humility brings success. So we can turn to Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, and it says, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, or you could, it could be translated, since there is consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy fulfill my joy being by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each of you Esteem others better than himself or herself. Let each of you look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interest of others. So I love this. Uh, Paul starts off telling us what's has, what has been made available to us. If you notice, there's encouragement available to us. If you need that encouragement in Christ today, it's there. Have faith. Trust that he will encourage you. So he says, Consolation or encouragement. If there's any comfort of love, the Greek word translated comfort portrays the Lord coming close 
and whispering words of gentle cheer or tender counsel in a believer's ear. Think of it like a little child. When you're trying to comfort them, you're not yelling at them. You're speaking kindly to them in their ear, in their face, right? And so the Lord does that to us. He will comfort us if we allow him to. If there's any fellowship of the Spirit, connection, uh, literally, fellowship, having the same thing, we have the Spirit. If you have the fellowship of the Spirit. If any affection and mercy, affection of God. It makes me think of Songs of Solomon. The, the book of Song of Solomon was written for two purposes. Number one, to, to show that God is a creator of romance and, and it's good, it's, it's great, it's from God, it's of God. It's for the, the happiness of, of a married man and woman. But secondly, it's to portray Christ's passion for the church. And it might be weird to you that, that that's how God puts it, but if you think of it in Ephesians chapter 5, it says, husbands love your wives as Christ has loved the church. That's what it says. And so there is affection in Christ. Christ has affection for you, or else he wouldn't have come down and died for you. And also, there is mercy. Maybe you, need, maybe you need mercy today. I have just blown it. There's mercy. His mercies are new each and every morning, the Bible says. That's, that's cool, right? <laughs> Where would we be without his mercy? Dead, right? Where would we be without his mercy? So he, he talks about what we have in Christ, and then check out verse 2. He says, now he's giving a plea, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. This is his request. Because in chapter 4, we find that two ladies are fighting. It doesn't tell us what they're arguing or what they're divided over, but there's a division. And he says, be like-minded. Think, have one soul, be knit together. Have you ever tried to work on a project or just have a conversation and things are just, it's like you're just butting heads? This is exact opposite. Do it together. Have the same mind. Have the same love, the love that comes from God. Being of one accord, your one object, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition. Isn't this quite a, a, a task? Let nothing be done in selfishness. We are selfish human beings. And so uh, what, what Paul is calling them to is, is exactly opposite of what God calls us to. And it's, it's unnatural for us to not think of ourselves only. And, and he says that here. Think of others first. Put others' interests before ours. And this is, a, this is what we need. We need to hear this constantly, be reminded, because we are selfish human beings. If you say, no, I'm not, ask the Lord to show you. He'll show you. And there's always room to improve. There, there, there always is. You don't have to beat yourself up or, you know, feel condemned, but there's always room to pr improve. So, he asked them to fulfill his joy. Verse 5 says this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So he says, let this mind be in you. This is, this is written to the Philippians, but this is written to the church at large because they would pass around their letters. 
they would, they would tell others what Paul or the other apostles have written down, said, give this to other people, give this to other people. So this applies to us. Let this mind be in you. How many of you trust in the Lord Jesus as your Savior? Raise your hand. So let this mind be in you. Okay, this is to all of us, to me. Let this mind be in you. Let this mindset, you know how people say, oh, what's your mindset on this? Or how do you think of this? This is let this mindset be in you, this attitude, right? Sometimes we have good attitudes, sometimes we don't. But he says, let this mindset or attitude be in you. And in the Greek, it says, let this be continually being in you. And so not just at church where we're like, you know, I care for others at church. I'll say, I'll be nice at church. I'll be helpful at church. But he says, let this always be your mind, your mindset. 24-7, 365. Okay. That Christ had himself. Check this out. Verse 6. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. The word robbery there is to cling on to. And it's like. Uh, how, how you would robbery, you grab something by force and you take it, hold on to it. And so that's the idea is Jesus did not hold on to him being equal with God. Rather, he let go of it. And we're going to talk about that right now. Um, but he says, he let go. He was in the form of God. This means the expression of God, not a God, because the Bible tells us over and over that Jesus was in the beginning. He created all things. All things were created by him and through him and for him, the Bible says. He did not hold tightly to his privileges, you could say. And he had many privileges. He had all authority. He still has it. But he let go of them. He did not consider it robbery to be equal God. Verse 7, but made himself of no reputation. This is, uh, in the Greek, it gives us a better understanding. It's not like, because there were, over and over in the gospel, he's like, don't send people after me. Don't send people after me. I don't want to be known. I don't want to make myself public. If you've read the gospels, he does this over and over. And he doesn't want to make himself known. He doesn't want the, the popularity coming to him because he can do miracles. And it was up until when he was praised as their king. So, the, the Greek gives us the understanding of he emptied himself. He did not lose his divinity. Rather, he concealed it with humanity. Jesus didn't become less God. He's fully God, fully man. When he came down to take on one of these things, and he still has one of these things, but it's glorified, a body. When was the last time you saw and thought, thought about God's, or specifically Jesus' glory and majesty. This is not to burn anyone. It's like, when was the last time you soberly thought about this? Jesus, in all his glory and majesty, he's the one that flung the stars, the Bible tells us. And not only that, but he named all of them. It's like, it's like if you go to, the, you go to the, uh, a beach or the river, and you go, to the sand, you go to the sand, you start picking up, and you start taking each little grain, and you start naming all of them. Right, but God, He named all the stars, and and you know, Abraham, uh, God told this to Abraham: "You have more descendants than the stars." And then in another place, He says, "You have more descendants than the sand of the seashores." It's quite interesting. Some people think, "Well, maybe there's the ma- same amount of stars as there is 
sand, maybe, I don't know. God's awesome like that. But anyways, that's besides the point, that, that God flung everything, and then he spoke all into existence. The world, the, the, the ball that we're living on, that's perfectly located from the sun and from the moon. We have gravity and all other laws of nature. That's his majesty, that's his glory, and that's just a little part of who God is. He's the one that also created all um, creatures, heavenly and human. We are complex on ourselves. The eyeball alone has millions of parts that, that work. Um, our nervous system, our, our, our breathing, our lungs, our heart. It's incredible if you just take time to, to study the body and how God fashioned it all. He came up with the idea. And he created heavenly host. That's, that's, that one kind of shuts my brain out a little bit, just how they operate and whatnot, how, how he created all the angels. Uh, and that's, like I said, a sliver of, of God's majesty, but when was the last time you thought about his power, right? Because when they came to arrest Jesus, they asked, is this Jesus of Nazareth or something like that? I can't remember exactly. And he says, I am. And they all fly back. All the soldiers fly on the ground. And he just, he just said, I am. You know, he's able to cast out thousands of demons from a man. It's pretty impressive. I mean, the list goes on and on. He, he, heals, he healed Lazarus. I mean, not healed him. He resurrected Lazarus from the dead. And he healed all these, these sick people at, on his, in his ministry on earth. And so... The idea is to, to just think about for a moment how powerful, how wise, how infinite God is, how he was, he was God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit were always there before there was any angels, before there was light, planets, the sun. And what did he do? He laid it all aside. He emptied himself. Why? So that way he could take the form of a bondservant and come in the likeness of man and being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. He became a slave, <laughs> it says right there, a bondservant. Um, I really like what this guy Art Reyes says. He says, we cry out, fill us with your Holy Spirit. And God says to some of us, I can't because you're already full of yourself. God, fill us. God, work. God, move. God, move in my life. I will when you empty yourself. When you don't have all the answers. When you don't try to strong arm this or do this in your own effort or strength. I also like what Art Reyes said. He says, do you think, and this, this, this really got me when he said this. So just listen. It's, a, it's awesome. Do you think that you have more rights to what you think is yours than to what Jesus had to what was actually his. I'll say it again. Were you with me? Did you hear that? Do you think that you have more rights to what you think is yours than what he actually had as his? If Jesus humbled himself, why can't you? And I was like, oh, that's good. You got me. If Jesus humbled himself, why can't you? God. <laughs> And, and, okay, so you might say, what, is, what does humi humility look like? 
Humility is, simply put, dependence on God. Dependence in, in, in his ways and what he requires and what he has already told us what to do. Think of it this way, and I use this like every time because this is, I think, the best illustration in the Bible. John 15, he says, abide in me. Yes, and let my word abide in you. Apart from me, you can produce nothing. That's what we need to do. That's, that's what humility is, is staying close in fellowship, relying upon Jesus. And seeing his, his perfect example, he humbled himself and became obedient. And he also became a bondservant. Turn with me to John chapter 13. Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Man, he could have gave up on them from the very beginning because they were a bunch of knuckleheads for sure, just like us. Verse 2. And supper being ended, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand. Now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. <laughs> Peter is often saying things he shouldn't, just like us. But anyways, Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Just dump the bucket on me. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, you are not all clean. That would be Judas. So if you notice the connection between Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, he, he, took him, he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant. And then in John 13, he says, or John records, he takes off his coat, outer coat, just like he laid aside his, his, all his power and attributes. They're all cloaked, but this time he's taking it off, Laying it aside, just like he laid aside his privileges, his all he still had authority on earth, but he didn't always use it to to what he could have. And so he lays aside his coat and then he takes on a, a, a towel and, and ties it on him, takes a bowl, and what does he do? He goes and he washes the disciples' feet. This is I can't really put into words the meaning of this um, section of John to me, how it has, how it just resonates in my heart, in my life, in my mind. But this is a perfect example of Jesus coming and serving. Jesus coming and serving. In fact, Jesus did say that. He said, I did not come to be served, but to serve others. So, they're sitting down, and this would have been the job of a slave, someone who, it's their job. Every time someone comes in, you wash their feet, and, and they just do whatever else you tell them to. It was a low, it was the lowest of the lowest jobs you could have as a slave, even. And so, 
Jesus says, I don't care. I'll take on this position. I'll do it. I'll love you. I'll show you how much I love you. I'll demonstrate. I won't just be a talkie-talkie. I'll be a walkie-talkie. That's Joe Foch. Don't just be a talkie-talkie. Be a walkie-talkie. I'll show you what it's like to love. So he gets down and he starts washing their feet. And when he gets to Peter, Peter says, no, don't wash my feet. Don't wash my feet. Because he's trying to be, he's trying to be, essentially he's being prideful. And we can do this too where we say, Lord, don't wash my feet. I don't need help. I don't need help. I don't need cleansing. I don't need help. Someone tries to offer you help. No, I'm good. I'm, I'm okay. Take it. Let someone wash your feet. Let someone do something good for you. Don't be afraid to accept it. So, then he says, if I don't wash your feet, Peter, you're not part of me. So Peter's like, just, just dump the whole thing on me, which would be kind of nasty because it has all their dirty water. You know, so, so there's two bowls. You would have the, you'd have the, uh, the one to wash off the dirty water and, and whatnot. So, um, but think about it. That's kind of nasty <laughs> to wash your feet because I'm thinking they had stinky feet. I don't know. That's just Maybe they didn't. Maybe they had nice, pretty feet, but... They walked in the dirt. I mean, some of them had sandals, some of them didn't. Maybe they stopped, they stepped in droppings that day. I don't know. I mean, the, it, it's possible. But Jesus was willing to go and wash their feet. And practically, I like what John Corson says. He says, we live a life of based in theology. Either we wash our hands like Pontius Pilate. It's not my business, not my problem. Or we take the basin and wash others' feet like Jesus. What, do, what are we going to do? Are we going to say, ah, I don't really want to get dirty. I don't want to get into that. Or are we going to say, use me, Lord. I'll get dirty. I'll get dirty. It, you know, you've heard that expression before. You know, someone rolls up their sleeves. This is what Jesus is doing. In my heart, this, the reason why this, means, this section means so much to me is that this, this little short conversation that, that Jesus has with Peter he, said, he tells them, you are clean, but yet you got to wash your feet. And so I, I really struggle with like being legalistic and try to be pleasing to God by keeping all the laws, by trying to be good enough. But it's, it's your, our efforts are never good enough. I struggled, and I didn't understand this, that Christ has already accepted me, forgiven all my sins. Yet, yet when I would blow it, I would feel condemned and try really hard to get back to a good place with God based on works. Um, but this, this verse is a tangible example that we are forgiven in Christ, we get dirty, but he can cleanse our mind. He's, he's continually washing us. And so uh, maybe, maybe you had that struggle before. It's like, man, I know, like, I, I asked God to forgive me. You know, I trusted in the cross, but I still blow it all the time. Yeah, you do. <laughs> we all do. And so we need Christ to come and continually, continually cleanse us. Like I said earlier, we want to be not just talkers, but doers. Jesus said, he told the disciples in the same chapter, the world will know you are my disciples by your theology, what you know. Wrong, thank you. No, he said, I was waiting for a response. No, he says, the world will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. And he even told him, I give you a new commandment. This is right before he, I got it backwards. I give you a new commandment. Love as I have loved you. Love as I have. How has Christ loved us? In so many ways, he's been patient. 
He's been merciful. He's been kind. He's been slow to anger. He helped those who needed help. Of course, we cannot forget truth, right? John 1 says he came full of grace and truth. We don't have, we want to be void of truth. We need truth. But don't forget grace. Don't forget kindness. Don't forget love. And isn't that what, isn't that what grasped our heart? Isn't that what attracted us to Christ? It wasn't, it wasn't he's going to come and judge you, although that might bring the fear into you, but it's his kindness that led us to repentance, right? No one comes to Christ unless they're drawn in by his love. So as you have received his love, give his love. And you might say, you know, that sounds, yeah, I don't know what to think about that. That sounds cool, but I'll keep that in the back of my mind. Know this, that throughout our days of the week, God will give us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to display this kind of love. <laughs> we, can, uh, we can go back to Philippians chapter 2. Verse 8, and it says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So maybe, maybe today you're like, oh, yeah, I'm pretty humble. I think I'm pretty humble. I got this one. I got this one down. <laughs> Are you obedient to the Lord? Because this shows if you're humble. Obedience shows where you're at in your humility. Are you obeying the Lord? And I, my heart, my goal is not to condemn you, but to make you think soberly. I, yeah, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty humble. <laughs> we used to have this joke in Bible college, like, I'm the most humble man here. You know, you know you're not humble when you have to say, I'm humble. It's a joke. Are you being obedient to what the Lord has called you to? Or, or do, you, do you give your opinion? It's obedience or opinion. That's what Art Reyes said. I, mean, I didn't steal his whole message, but I'm definitely picking from it. But it's either obedience or opinion. I'll do what I want, or I'll do what the Lord wants. Right? That's, that's, the exact, that's, that's the difference between wisdom and being foolish. God's way is wisdom. Foolishness is man's way. That's the book of, uh, I was going to say the book of Solomon. What do you call that thing? The Proverbs is about, it's God's way. Book of Solomon. Yeah, not the Song of Solomon. But book of Proverbs. God's way or man's way. We, we only have two choices. It, there's no in between. There's no, oh, I, I'll choose another path. Two choices. I like, uh, anyone know who D.L. Moody is? Yeah, Moody. If not, you should just, you know, do a little research on him. I'm sure you might find some bad things, but there's plenty of good things for him, about him. He says this. So, to put it simply, I, I'm not quoting him yet. I, I got to have myself, as I always do. But to put it simply, this is really vital. This is really crucial because 
it's a it's a it's an idea, a concept, a principle, a theme in the Bible where it says, if you read the Old Testament, you'll see God doesn't really care. Well, He cares what you say, but what He cares more about is what you do and your motives. You know, David, he says, I'm not going to give you sacrifices if my heart isn't in the right place. Or when God is speaking through Isaiah, he says, your lips are moving, but your heart is far from me. And so, what good is it to know, oh yeah, be, you know, humility, be like Jesus, be like, yeah, I'll be like Jesus in my mind, but my actions are nothing like it. But anyway, so, I like what D.L. Moody says. If a man, uh, so, if a man doesn't treat his wife right, I don't want to hear him talk about Christianity if I wanted to find out whether a man was a Christian, I wouldn't go to his minister. I would go and ask his wife. The people who you live with know you the best. And, and beyond that, you can't fool God. You can't fool God. And, and really, my heart, my goal today is we need more humility in the church at large, in our church. I do. We all do. We all need more humility. We all need to display humility. We need to rely upon Christ because... We can't do it on our own. You cannot, you cannot do the Christian life. You cannot live up to the commandments of God on your own strength. It's obvious. It's clear. That's why the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and etc. But the works of the flesh is evident, Paul says in Galatians. And it's a whole bunch of selfishness. <laughs> if you just read the list in Galatians about the works of the flesh, it's just someone being selfish. Whereas if you read the fruits of the spirit, it's really about other people. And so maybe like uh, Miss B used to tell me, someone needs to humble themselves in the sight of the Lord. I won't sing the jingle. like she, I can't sing it like her, but I'll tell you that. That's what the Bible says. Humble yourself and he will exalt you in due time. Check this out. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the knee of Jesus, every knee, not just some, not just most, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, angels, demons, you name it, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will, to desire, and to do for his good pleasure. Did you notice that? After Jesus emptied himself, after Jesus served like a bondservant, like a slave, no rights. You don't, you don't hold on to your rights. You don't say, oh, this hurts. That's bad. I feel bad. People treat me bad. My wife doesn't care. She's not responding. My husband's not responding. When you give up your rights and you serve, you love like Christ, and he humbled himself to die on the cross for us, a, a humiliating death, most likely naked, you couldn't recognize him. The Old Testament says he's unrecognizable. They pulled out his beard, put a crown of thorns on his head. Right? A, splint, a little splinter is like, ooh, that, that stings. A metal splinter, mm, that stings. Ah, that hurts. They whipped him with, with metal and, and glass. So he died on the cross. But verse 9 says, therefore God also highly exalted himself. Oh, excuse me. Therefore God also highly exalted him and given him the name above every name. When you humble yourself, 
There's a blessing to come. There's a crown to come. This isn't in vain. It isn't, oh, I'm, you know, this is so miserable. Yeah, it might be miserable, but there's a crown to come. There's a blessing to the suffering. There's good in the end. Warren Wiersbe said, we only believe as much of the Bible as we practice. We only believe as much as the Bible as we practice. You can have, you can, you could know this thing very good and still be an ugly person. You can know scriptures and great. You have, you have knowledge of the word, but do you have experience of God changing you? Do you have experience of God working and moving and changing you? It's a good question to ask yourself, right? Once again, it's not to condemn anyone, but it's to make you think soberly. Where am I at? Because guess what? People really need you to be humble. My wife needs me to be humble. My children need me to be humble. My church, my, the youth kids need me to be humble. Why? If not, I'm in the flesh. And the, the results are not good. I'm going to go to Jesus' words in Matthew 20, 25 through 28. You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people. And officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. For whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life a ransom for many. How many of you like tyrannical government? I'm waiting for someone to raise their hand. Anyone, any communists here? They do. How do you respond when someone comes aggressively to you? Right? That's, that's, your, that's your response. And Jesus is saying, don't be a tyrant. Don't over people. Don't lord over people. I'm the boss. I'm the king. You might have heard this before. I'm the king of this castle. You heard that before? <laughs> oh, I hope no one says that. Jesus should be the king of your castle. He has put you in, in position to lead, to love, to serve. You do what I say, because I'm the man, I'm the husband. If that's the only verse you know is wife submit, it's going to be hard to submit to that person. Why? Because the Bible goes on to say, cherish your wife. Wash them in the word. Take care of them as you would take care of your own body. Treat them like Jesus said. Treat others like you want to be treated. Isn't that pretty simple? We don't, there are certain things that we really don't like when people do it to us, but we might have no care when we do it to other people. So, Do you <laughs> need to humble yourself today? 
That's, that's what, blessings will start coming out. I'm not saying, fine, uh, you know, there's pressure. Blessings will start flowing from you when you give, when you do this. It's like, no. Blessings as relationships will change. People will respond to you differently. People, it's so easy to serve under someone who is kind. It's very hard to serve someone who is mean. Right? I don't know who needs to hear that today. I do too. Do you want to be like Pontius Pilate or do you want to be like Jesus? Jesus, right? He got the he has the name above every name. And there's a crown waiting for us. There's rewards waiting for us. And so I want to turn to one last passage. It's in Colossians. Okay. Go eat popcorn. That's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Go eat popcorn. That's a youth group. Fun one. Colossians chapter 2. You can turn there if you want. Oh, wait. Sorry. Colossians chapter 3. Yeah, let's go there. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, it says, If then, or since, once again, since you have been raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of earth. This isn't talking about you you don't think about your job or take care of your family. or This is what is your priority. Is it God or is it you and your things, your ways, your plan, your desires? That's what that's talking about. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are of this earth, fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these. Anger. Look, okay, I just got to stop. You won't be so angry when you're humble. You just won't. If you, have a, if you have trouble with being angry, you will not be so angry when you're humble. Because you're saying, the reason why we're usually angry is because someone's done us wrong or they're not treating us that way we should. We feel entitled. Things should be done this way. That's why we get angry a lot of times. I mean, there, there's, there's good reasons to be angry, but a sinful anger comes from being entitled, really. And there's wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Verse 10, and have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. Verse 12, therefore as the elect of God, you are holy, you are set apart, and you are incredibly, deeply, eternally loved. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body. And be thankful Let the word of Christ you have nothing without the word of God, okay? So start, start eating that word of God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, 
teaching and admonishing one another. I know I'm reading on and on, but listen. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with the grace in your hearts, Lord. And whatever you do, in word, or whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And it goes on to, to tell wives to submit to their own husbands, but for husbands to love their wives and not to be bitter towards them, and for children to obey their parents, and for fathers to be, to not provoke their children to wrath. I mean, yeah, to, to not provoke their children. And it talks about being good servants and, and masters. Why do I read this? Because we are hidden in Christ. We are one with Christ. Without Christ, you can't do any of this. You just can't. You can't be humble. You can't be loving. You can't be serving. You can't be good. You can't be merciful. And you need that. Um, the worship team can come up. The children's ministry, you can... Uh, Daryl, you mind telling the children's ministry that we're on the wrap-up? It'll be a surprise to them. Don't take any of this as, I have to be humble, I need to do this or that, to get God to love me. No, God loves you and he calls you to this. Maybe you need to get on your knee. Ask God to forgive you. You want prayer? Be happy to pray with you. I can only imagine in this size of room that there are people who need to humble themselves. I don't know. The Lord knows. And this isn't a one-time thing, you know. I humbled myself, you know, 10 years ago. It's, it's a continual, constant. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness from someone next to you. Maybe you need a, to just forgive someone in your heart. On Monday morning, yeah, today's Sunday, right? Monday morning, Lord, how can I bless others? How can I be less selfish today? And, and let's just say, oh, I fall into selfishness, which we all will, we all do. Repent. It's, just, it's that simple. Just, okay. I am in, I need to restart. <laughs> Someone once said something like this, it's never too late to restart your day. Because <laughs> we could just wake up in a funk or whatever. What do you need to do today? How should you respond? How should I respond? Maybe you're like, you know, like truly, honestly, I think the Lord is working me in this area. Teach someone else what it's like to be humble. Find someone to disciple. Because we need it. The church needs it. Discipleship. Find someone, take them under your wing. If you think, oh yeah, I'm doing pretty good at this. Grab someone and take them. Show them. Show them. We're going to play a song or two, however you, many you'd like. Uh, once again, if you want to fall on your knees, do that. If you want to get prayer, get prayer. If you want to pray with your spouse, pray with your spouse. We still got a little time. We're a little earlier than usual. So this, it'd be a great time to respond to this message. What, is, what good is it hearing, reading any of this and not doing anything about it?
Jesus said, be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. Because when you hear, oh, yeah, I got that information. No, 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 no. Do you have that experience? So it's good to have information and truth, but experience that. So once again, if you want prayer, I'll be down here. Thanks for joining us today. To learn more about the Springs Calvary Chapel, please visit our website at www.thespringscalvarychapel.org. Join us in person at the Springs in Hebron, Idaho, or here on the podcast as we worship together in spirit and in truth.